Hey, my name's Jamie Poisson, and I'm the host of Frontburner. It's the CBC's daily news podcast. And every day we're discussing the big events and fault lines shaping Canada and the world. Politics, economics, social movements, you name it. Sometimes we even talk about really fun stuff like the enduring relevance of Lord of the Rings. You can hear Frontburner on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. I've been running for close to half a century. In fact, I had to do a lot of physiotherapy just to get back to running following a serious injury. It's what I do first thing every other morning to think better and stay calmer, especially during the pandemic, I gotta tell you. Running or jogging is also said to be the best cardio you can do to stay in shape, but it's not for everyone. So this week we're asking, what's the latest on what running can do for my health? Hi, Jane. Welcome back to The Dose. Thanks for having me. I hear that you have a love-hate relationship with running. That is true. I love running. I don't know if running loves me, but (laughs) that's where it stands. So, you know, what was your earliest experience with running? I gather you were a rower. You still are, aren't you? I am. Yeah. I, you know, I was a sedentary kid until about the age of 14 when I started a learn to row program, probably because my parents thought that I was living a very sedentary life and I needed to get involved in something. So my memory, my first memory of trying to learn how to run was essentially a warm up run of about a mile prior to rowing practice. And we had a bush a couple of 100 meters ahead. So literally, I would go and hide behind that bush and wait until my teammates would come back and uh, then jump on up again and, and look like was very fit. In fact, not even breaking a sweat when I came back from that warm-up run. And this is coming from a confession of someone who's been to an Olympics as a rower. I've trained with the national team for over 10 years. And uh, I, it was one of those things that um, I felt that I knew I had to run for uh, cross-training. And that's, that's what that looked like. In that sense, you're like every person. Right. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I mean, isn't it? A lot of us, I, I love running, to be honest. I, I really do like it. And I, I was interested to hear you say that you run every other day because I think that seems to be a very good formula for running. And we all look different when we're out there running. And it is such a beautiful, beautiful way of being physically active. Um, but it doesn't mean we all necessarily have a graceful movements or that it comes to us easily, but we just know that it's good. Well, and, and I'm certainly not the, the model of grace, so, uh, so I, I, I'm ready to hear uh, your advice. But before we begin, can you give us a hi, my name is, tell us what you do and where you do it. Just ad lib. For sure. My name is Dr. Jane Thornton. I'm a sport medicine physician and a Canada Research Chair in Injury Prevention and Physical Activity for Health based out of Western University in London, Ontario. Running has been pegged as one of the best ways to work out to stay healthy, but what do we know about what it does for the body? Running has this lovely way of uh, improving almost every system we have in our body, and that's the nice thing of it being a weight-bearing activity. And because of that, that means that we, our bones are strengthened, muscles become stronger, but it also affects your, our aerobic capacity. So the way that our heart pumps, the way that our lungs work. And as a result, if you can think of, if we have good heart health, we have good 
vessel health, which means that all of those organs that those vessels feed become healthier as a result. And so what we find with running in particular, it just seems to be one of those sports that because it uses most muscles in the body to some degree, and it really uses our cardiovascular system, that it is one of the best kind of bang for your buck sport and physical activity that you can do on a daily basis. You don't need a lot of time to get a really maximum impact out of it. Uh, It's not only wonderful from that physical health aspect, but it also seems to do wonders for mental health, concentration, cognition. So again, it is one of those perfect type medicines, I guess, for, for our health in general that you don't need a big dose, but certainly it is one of those that's going to pack a powerful punch for your health. Um, I looked at a new study from the American College of Cardiology that suggested that regular exercise can decrease the likelihood of heart complications by 22% in people with anxiety and depression. Of course, not everybody who runs has anxiety or depression, but is running the best cardio exercise to do for good heart health? It really is among the top. So I, whenever I think about the ideal sports, of course, not everyone has access to running for a variety of reasons. It could be a physical inability or a physical disability. It could be financial implications. It could be uh, even just the amount of time that they have to spend on a, on a given task during the day. But it is one of those sports that it seems to uh, really help the brain's stress response, kind of keep that stress response in check. In that particular study you're referring to, for example, that we know, as I mentioned, it's great for cardiovascular health. But then once you put on that added uh, potential for people who have underlying depression or anxiety, they have that heightened stress-related neural activity. And so as a result, running in particular seems to, to help um, those individuals. And I guess I would say is that any anything that pumps, makes a heart pump, makes you break so, uh, your sweat a little bit, um, kind of help. It, it, all, it almost mimics some of those anxiety responses. So when we feel worried or concerned about something, our heart rate quickens, we may break a sweat, we may have increased shortness of breath in some cases. And what running and physical activity can do when, when there's an aerobic component is almost mimic that and it seems to normalize those responses. So I think that's why it also has a nice impact on, on mental health in particular, along with this the brain's stress response. The concept of getting outdoors also seems to have that yep. other positive aspect to it, right? So if you can run, run outside. But uh, if you can't run outside, treadmills are great. Um, but that added impact of being outside just seems to help even further. And, you know, you, you've been talking about mental health, but I use running as, as a way to improve my brain function. I find that I concentrate better, that I'm yeah. able to focus on one thing at a time better and think more deeply about, about things. And it's not just during the run, but following the run for the rest of the day. I just find I'm able right. to concentrate better. And there's actually evidence to show that that's true. Absolutely. And, and that's a nice thing. And even what I counsel uh, particularly students to do is to be physically active first thing, especially for an exam or some kind of uh, thing that they have to do. Maybe it's, a, it's an important meeting, um, but really get that exercise in first in the day if they can, because those effects are long lasting. As you said, it seems to be that after we exercise, our blood flow gets redirected. Uh, we have more capacity to the frontal lobe to even just to brain function and cognition after that lasts beyond those that particular time uh, period exercising. 
And thank goodness for that. Um, Now, running isn't for everyone. Um, You know, I've certainly met people who had to stop running because, you know, they developed, they they got knee injuries and they eventually had severe arthritis in their knees. But was it the running that did it or were they just programmed uh, to develop arthritis and then have to stop running? Uh, isn't it? It's the million dollar question. What causes osteoarthritis? Uh, it's, it is really interesting from a perspective of the research that's come out of, as of late. And it is a topic that people go back and forth on a little bit, but it seems to be a bit of a U-shaped curve on running and things like knee osteoarthritis, for example. So what I mean by that is that it seems to be higher rates of arthritis in people who are, are sedentary. So meaning they're not active. And then exercise actually does improve cartilage health and running and loading your knees does actually improve joint health, which seems a bit counterintuitive because I think we've had this line, it's wear and tear that causes arthritis. So basically, the more you use your knees, the more your chance of developing um, arthritis later on. And it just simply isn't the case. And in many cases, people who have some even mild arthritis or moderate can run and it improves their symptoms um, of arthritis. And then at the la- the other end of the U, of course, with people who are hi- in very high impact uh, activities, what we are understanding is that exercise is good for joints, absolutely. And uh, do enough of it so that you're improving your joint health. Um, then there's, of course, the subject of weight loss. You know, I've, I've never been in a position where I've, I've felt as if I had to start an exercise program in order to lose weight. But I can tell you that when I'm running actively i have i can i can eat more of 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 the desserts that i enjoy to eat uh without worrying about gaining weight so is is that kind of uh, a good way of looking at at what running can do in terms of weight loss i generally do not start with talking about weight loss to patients when we're talking about physical activity reason being is i think that yes it's an it's a nice byproduct and if that's the patient's motivation to talk about weight loss that's okay we start there and we can go and, you know, it's about trusting weight loss will come. It's not immediate. And but really focusing on the, the joy of being involved in physical activity. When I think about in function and um, overall quality of life, because even if we don't lose a single pound, uh, the, the benefits of physical activity are rampant and they will be there regardless of that weight loss. But, you know, having said that, again, it's kind of working with with patients in terms of I will work with whatever motivates you, if it's dessert, if it's weight loss, if it's being able to play with your grandchildren. Um, we start there, and there's certainly a place for running. I want to talk about distances, and I have a feeling you're going to say that whatever you do is 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 more <laughs> than what you did before is better than, than doing nothing. But what does the research say when it comes to how far or how many minutes per week are needed to get all of those health benefits that we've been talking about? In family medicine, in, in sport medicine, in internal medicine, there's, so, there's very little consensus that we have on every single aspect of our fields internationally. One thing I can say is what we all agree on in public health and, and family medicine and so on is that there's a certain number of physical activity minutes per week that will help you achieve your overall health goals, I guess. And that magic number seems to be between 150 minutes per week to now 300 minutes per week, according to the World Health Organization. And so what that means is about half an hour to an hour a day, most days of the week. And that's being physically active enough that you're that brisk walk type of intensity to the more intense, vigorous physical activity. 
So that is the kind of the the golden number. Um, but as you say, it's really where people start. Even five minutes per day uh, seems to be beneficial. We we just did a study in South Africa, for example, that looked at COVID outcomes and people who, even if they were exercising an hour a week in total, seem to be protected against severe COVID outcomes, hospitalization, and um, and severe illness. So. It starts as soon as kind of the biggest um, benefit will be from someone moving from that sedentary position of no physical activity to starting to be physically active through the week. But I would say when I talk to patients, we align ourselves in the sense of the gold standard goal that we hope to achieve is um, about half an hour a day. And if we can get there, in general, people are feeling really positive about their health and feeling uh, functionally um, that they've improved. And what are the basic tips? Uh, what, what's the basic form for running for, for people who are contemplating doing it and have never run before? Yeah, I usually start by saying, um, if you remember one thing, it's to try to be thinking about moving forward, all parts of your body moving forward in an, in the same manner, in the same direction. And so that can mean by starting from your gaze, trying to keep looking towards the horizon, keeping your chin parallel to the ground. So basically just looking ahead, thinking about keeping your shoulders down and back so that you're not getting stiff in your neck or your shoulders. And similarly, even just relaxing your hands. So some people will talk about trying to hold a chip in their fingers or something, a potato chip or something along those lines, but essentially just not keeping them in a tight fist um, because that's less efficient and can create tension. Uh, and then kind of going down to the core, we think about tightening your core. And basically what I try to think about that way is to just try to stabilize your middle. Um, and then finally, I would say things about trying not to bounce too much. So uh, some people can, if you're bouncing too high, that means you're landing uh, more forcefully. And interestingly, when they started looking at arthritis, people with a higher cadence actually do better for their joint health and knee knee pain if they actually increase their cadence. And what we mean by that is the speed at which their feet are falling. So it's really kind of thinking about just trying to be a little bit stealthy, uh, trying to have every body part aligned in the, in the same direction um, and trying to minimize those extra movements when you can. Queer life in Montreal was wild. Montreal in the 90s was a great time, but it had a dark side. It was not a safe city for gay people back then. But what else was behind a series of deaths in the city? Somebody's killing gay men. We want to know why. I'm Francis Plourde, and this is The Village, The Montreal Murders. Get early access to episodes at cbc.ca slash listen or by subscribing to the CBC True Crime Premium channel on Apple Podcasts. There's been a big change in thinking regarding stretches, when to do them, what kind of stretches to do. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, I think stretching, we also always used to think about really getting as flexible as possible, trying to hold a stretch for a minute or two before we go out for exercise. It, think We think of limbering up that way. And it seems that the evidence, at least in terms of stretching, is we try not to do a lot of static stretching and holding, is that seems to actually increase injury risk, if anything. So I know there's a lot of people out there that love stretching, and, and that's all well and good. And I think try just to do that separate from those running times or those times that you're physically active or doing it 
after activity at least it seems to be better if we do some kind of dynamic movement before we go out and do an activity so for running that might be um, kind of walking lunges or leg swings even just jumping jacks or some kind of squats in place warm up your body that way in a dynamic always moving way will set yourself you up for success and and having a better experience with running so that can be about five or ten minutes as you're getting ready for your exercise and uh, nicely warmed up seems to decrease injury risk it's uh getting into race season once again so for those who are looking to do their first running race how should they start yeah, so if you've if uh, if people are trying to get into their running race, and let's assume that they have some running experience, I I always think, and this was a rowing tactic as well, kind of the high performance aspect that you set your goal deadline and then you work backwards from it. So if you have, um, oftentimes if it's something like a marathon, you often want more time just because of the high volume. So you may want to start out six months prior to that. It really depends on the baseline of where people are starting. If they've never exercised or if they have a chronic condition that um, they need clearance for or if something along those lines, this, of course, may, may be a little bit longer uh, at the the outset, at least, if you're trying to run a faster 5K, maybe that'll only take six weeks to to plan out. But essentially, set your goal, work backwards from that. Um, try to plan some easy wins, some milestones that might work for you. So maybe that's breaking five minute uh, per kilometer, or maybe it's uh, trying to run a 10K for the first time because you've uh, been able to run a 5K successfully. But start putting in uh, little benchmarks throughout that to keep you on track between now and that that date. Do you find that those couch to 5K apps work? Are they helpful? Yeah, you know, I do. And I, I find that for people, it just gives them some sense of plans and some some something to follow. If we rely on our own motivation, and even though people might say I'd be a highly motivated person as a high performance athlete at one point. It's really the social cohesion. It's the accountability to my teammates. Right. But as soon as we're done with that, sometimes it can be very hard to motivate. And that's where these apps can kind of come in. They can be some virtual coaches, but just a plan that you can follow that, you know what you're doing. And on days that you don't feel like getting out and running, it can be motivation to still get you out of the door it doesn't work for everybody. So it's not something that I say, this has to be the way. Uh, some people like apps and tracking and some people would just rather um, listen to nothing and track nothing. And, and I think that's okay too. So it really depends uh, on what works. And what about people who want to work their way up to longer distances, but don't necessarily want to run a marathon or even a half marathon? How do they do that? It's in interesting. I mean, some recent research seemed to think that there may be one pace that we're all very efficient at that we normally choose. And and you can make yourself faster, of course, uh, but it usually requires a little bit more of a stimulus. So, for example, uh, for people looking to get faster on a 5 or a 10K, running hills once a week seems to help. It seems to provide a different stimulus. Or writing, a running tempo workout so that you're running at a faster pace those kinds of tempo changes where you're changing the pace or you're changing things like hills seem to help with improving efficiency and improving speed. And that can also help you work up to longer, longer distances as well. People in generally tend to have one long run a week. And uh, there's a lot of variation to that depending on people's level of comfort with running. 
and a time availability. But if you can run one long run a week and then slowly improve that over time, again, kind of setting your goal a certain number of weeks away, that tends to help people over time achieve what that mileage goal may be. Different people will be running at different speeds and for different distances. But uh, I want to ask you a final question for all of them. How can they kind of judge for themselves if they're starting to run too much? It's a, It can be a very arbitrary answer to that question, or it can be hard and fast rule in the sense of what we see in the sports medicine clinic. So what I would say is that for people who are running, quote unquote, too much, it's often as a result of potentially not fueling correctly or fueling enough or sleeping enough, or perhaps they've kind of put in too much work too soon. And so it may be under recovery, it may be something like overtraining. So what I would see in the clinic, let's, let's maybe start there. But in, in some athletes, certainly what we do see is things like stress fractures. Other people will have injuries like you know, we talk about runner's knee or patellofemoral pain or plantar fasciitis or shin splints. All those kinds of things are part of the continuum. Sometimes they're overuse injuries. And again, they don't happen to everybody. But if an injury occurs and you're trying to run through it and you just don't find you can, it's not getting any better, it's getting worse, that might be a time to say, okay, there, maybe I need to modify uh, something at this point. And then I would say as well, if it's not fun any longer, if you're really finding uh, it's the pleasure is taken out of it, if it becomes something like an exercise addiction, which can happen, and you're finding that it's cutting into other things that you're doing through the day from a mental health perspective, again, that might be a way that it might be a time to pull back a little bit from running. So I, I would say physical or mental injury would be two uh, cases where I would say it's it's a little bit too much. If you find it's still doing you well, serving you well, and your mental, physical health, social health as well, then uh, run on. Run on. I like that. I could have asked you a lot more questions, but uh, we're going to have to leave it at that. Dr. Jane Thornton, thank you so much for speaking with us again. Thanks for having me. Dr. Jane Thornton is a sports medicine physician and Canada Research Chair at Western University. Here's your dose of smart advice. Running helps your heart and lungs. It lowers blood pressure and helps regulate cholesterol. It also enhances concentration, thinking, and memory, and lowers anxiety and depression. Contrary to popular belief, running does not cause arthritis and may actually help alleviate it. In general, start gradually by walking briskly and incorporate running so that at first you walk about twice as much as you run. The aim is to propel yourself forward while minimizing side-to-side and up-and-down movement that require more effort and increase your risk of injury. Look forward with chin parallel to the ground and shoulders down and back. It helps to have strong abdominal wall and lower back core muscles. To warm up, do dynamic things like leg swings and lunges and do static hamstring and other stretches after your run. Increase your runs by no more than 10% per week. If you're aiming for a 5K run, it usually takes about 6 weeks to reach your goal, 12 weeks to get to 10K, and so on. You're probably running too much if you find it less energizing and more exhausting or if you develop pain in your knees, shins, or the soles of your feet. See your healthcare provider if symptoms persist. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions you'd like answered, tweet me at NightShiftMD, at CBC Podcasts, or at CBC White Coat, 
hashtag thedosecbc. Our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. You can find The Dose wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, please rate us five stars so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Stephanie Dubois. Technical support was by Nouradine Korane. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.